Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Brenton. Oh God, we're, we're so thankful for, for you and your love and your faithfulness and the loving kindness that, that you show to us every single day. And Father, this morning, I pray that we would come to know that love in, in just a deeper way. By your spirit and by your grace, would you reveal to us, all together with all the saints, the, the height and the, the width and the depth of your love for us. And Father, I pray that, that as we come to know that love, we would surrender our lives to you. We would put our lives in your hand and, and we'd serve you and love you back. Amen. Awesome. Well, today we are finishing off our series uh, on the end times, and I've entitled it Wedding Season. It feels like there's a lot of weddings happening right now. Anyone have a wedding coming up? I got one coming up next weekend. It's going to be a fun time. They're, the weddings are fun. Yeah, yeah. Weddings, weddings are fun. Um, and uh, I would say the, probably the best wedding that I've ever been to, it was just incredible. It was my wedding. <laughs> it was just an awesome day, an awesome day to, to be married to Valerie, to have my family, her family, my church family, and just celebrate. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was as good as my wedding is and as hard as I think that it is to top. Like in my mind, you can't beat that. But in Revelation 19, it talks about a great wedding feast that's coming up, and it's true that this wedding is going to be better than, than mine. It says in Revelation 19, verse 6, then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting, hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns, let's rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. I love this. You know when you have a, a couple making themselves public for the first time, and there's cheering and shouting? Well, for this wedding feast, there is going to be cheering and shouting and peals of thunder like never before. There is just going to be this, this celebration for, for this moment that's happening. And it says... The bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given for her to wear. And that's us, right? We're the bride. We're the bride of Christ. And that day, we are going to be looking good. Tell your neighbor, we're going to be looking good that day. Oh, yeah. Because we've been given this by God as a gift. Fine linen, bright and clean, given for us to wear. The fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. And so we have this awesome day, this awesome wedding to look forward to, and you are invited. You're invited to be a part of the wedding, and actually you're invited to be married. You are invited to be married. In Revelation 22, it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Come. 
Let anyone who hears say, come, let the one who's thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. This is an invitation that God has made, right? And God has reached out to us. He has, has loved us and he's extended us this invitation to be part of the bride, to be part of his people. Um, if you are a believer, you are, and you've given your life to God, you've made this covenant with him, we're in a sense we're in a sense engaged and we're in a sense, we are the bride, right? We're the bride of Christ and we're including in, included in this. So this is our wedding. And today, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about our coming wedding. And, and actually, what, what I, when, I, when I ended up studying, I started looking into an ancient Jewish wedding and it was so amazing to see all of the different steps um, that sometimes I think we don't even see where Jesus was pointing to this coming wedding. And so we're going to look at an ancient Jewish wedding and the, the process and the steps and, and how that relates to our relationship and our marriage with Jesus Christ as the bride. So the first step of an ancient Jewish wedding was the betrothal, the engagement, and there wasn't really like, hey, do you want to go out for coffee? It was, it was more the, the groom and the groom's father and family kind of scoped out a bride, be like, yep, that's the one. Um, there would be some, some talks and discussion about, you know, a, a marriage that's happening. Um, and uh, yeah, then they, the, the, the groom and the father would go to the bride's house and kind of make this engagement happen and really make this, this marriage happen. So it wasn't really a, a, a surprise engagement or, or anything like that. It was just coming to the door. And it was, that's sort of like my engagement too um, with Valerie. Uh, I married Claude's daughter, so I, uh, I took Claude out for coffee. That's a scary thing, right? <laughs> He's not scary, but you're just, I don't know. You're like, what if he says no or I don't, you know? So we're drinking coffee. He's like, hey, Claude, can I, can I marry your, your daughter? And I think he probably cracked some sort of joke. I'm sure he did. Um, or said no. But no, he said yes. And uh, little did I know, though, he went back home and said, Valerie, get ready. Um, Brenton just asked me uh, for your hand or your blessing, my blessing. So the question's coming up. So, so she had a heads up. Um, but I, I, she still didn't know the day. She just didn't know the day that we were getting engaged. So I set this romantic day up. It, I went all, like I tried to go all out. And we had this picnic and we ate this picnic and, and then we were gonna go canoeing uh, at, at this camp. And so this, this guy who was gonna help us canoe comes to the beach and says, hey, you're the couple getting engaged. And my face just, I literally didn't talk for like 15 minutes. <laughs> like, what just happened? And then it started storming, and the people that were going to set our, up our engagement left. Uh, we almost got sprayed by a skunk. It's a long story, but we got engaged. And that's the important thing. Um, but, but in the ancient wedding, the engagement process and the marriage, it wasn't, it, it was sometimes this, this love that grew over time, because it was kind of, structured, and you might see that all and say, oh, that doesn't seem very passionate or romantic, but I really believe that, that God's love for us is a passionate love, because I love, if we look at Hosea, it's such a powerful book, because in Hosea, what we see is we see God's people, God's bride, forsake God and be unfaithful to God, 
turn their back on God or include God with the other idols that they're worshiping. It was the darkest moment of, of Israel's betrayal from God or one of the darkest times. And this is where God says to Hosea, Hosea, go marry a prostitute because this is a symbol of of what my people are doing. He even says, you're not my people, you're, you're, you're not my loved ones because you're not acting like it. You're being unfaithful to me. But this was all to win our love back and Israel's love back. And it says in Hosea, therefore I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me master. Verse 19, it says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and love and compassion. Is this amazing? This is God's love on Israel's worst day. The commitment and the love that God shows to us is amazing. I will betroth you in faithfulness. I will acknowledge the Lord, and you will acknowledge the Lord. I will plant her for, my, for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved ones. And I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. And so we just see, if you ever have a question, does God love me? Does, does God include me? Like, am I, am I good enough to be his bride? I would say that Hosea says, Absolutely. Because again, this was Israel's worst time and you just see the love of God drawing Israel back into relationship with him. They were not being faithful, but in his faithfulness, he says, in this place, I'm still committing myself to you. you and, and then there was gonna be this time where Israel was gonna again commit themselves back to God. And so as you show up for the betrothal and before the engagement, what, what the father and groom would, would do is they would prepare a dowry or a bride price. And, and they would, in, in a sense, yeah, offer a, a price for the bride. This wasn't really to, the, the, the focus of this bride price was to compensate the father of the bride and the family of the bride because they were losing that member of the family. The bride was now going to go and be a part of the groom's family and the groom's father's family and work for them. And so this was a way where, let's say you had four daughters. If you wouldn't receive this bride price, you would have no one to work your land. You, you would have no way of making money. And so what you'd probably do is you'd say to your daughters, now nah, you can't get married. You got to work. I, if I marry you off, I lose you. But now this is a way where the family can be compensated for the, what, what the bride's worth would be in the work that she did. And, and Jesus paid the ultimate dowry for us right? The ultimate price was paid when Jesus died on the cross. And I think it's just incredible that Jesus thought it was worth the blood, uh, uh, his blood and, and God, the blood of his son, that we might be made new with him, that we might come into a relationship with him. And so we were bought with the price, the precious blood of Christ's death, like it says in 1 Peter. In 1 Corinthians, it says, you're not your own you're bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. Because we've been bought, we've been purchased. That price has been paid for Jesus to, to make us one with him. And we are now one with him. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. So now once that, that price had been agreed upon, what the, 
what the bride and, and groom would do is they would agree upon a ketuvah. Max was teaching me how to say that word. He's from Israel, so I was trying to, it's kind of butchering the, the Hebrew words here. But they would agree upon a ketuvah, which, which is a, a covenant. And they, it would outline the terms that both parties were to follow um, and c- commit to in their marriage. And so they, they would, uh, yeah, they would agree to this, this covenant together. And, and in our covenant with God, I don't know if any of you signed a form there's not a form that came down from heaven, right? Where we, oh, okay, the ketuvah, we're going to sign this with God. But there was this covenant that we've made with God. We see in the Bible what, he's, what his promises, right? And the covenants that he's made to us. But ultimately, the covenant, the ketuvah, is, is made on our hearts. And it says in Jeremiah, but this covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And when the, the bride and the groom agreed to this ketuvah, they were married. They were legally married now. And so what they would do upon the agreement of the ketuvah is that they would then take a glass of wine and drink that together. As a, as a ceiling of what they just agreed to and a ceiling of the covenant that they, they just made together. And I think it's so beautiful because we have something that I love. We have communion, right? Where it's a remember of the Passover and Jesus' sacrifice. It's a remembrance of his, his blood and his body that was poured out. And it's also a remembrance of this ketuvah, this covenant that we have and this union that we've formed with Jesus. It's so beautiful. And I think it's, it's, it's such a cool way that we can just remember the vows that we've made with God in taking communion with him. So when the, the, the communion, the, when the couple has taken communion, they are now legally married. They've signed the ketuvah. They've, they've taken this wine. They're married now. But what happens next is wild. They... they they're apart for about a, a long period of time. It's about a year where they now are apart from each other. Imagine that. You just like kind of got married and now you're apart from each other. I was apart from Val for, for three weeks when I was engaged. And that was like hard enough. I was like, my love. <laughs> and now they're apart for a year. Um, and what would happen, the, the reason that they're apart for the years is the, the groom would be going to his father's place, usually it was on his father's property, and, and the groom would be building a, a wedding chamber where they would celebrate their love and consummate their marriage. And, uh, and we see in, in John 14, we see Jesus, he's using wedding talk, talking about this preparation that he's doing, it says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'll go and prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. This is wedding talk. Jesus is saying, hey, we've made this covenant together and now I'm going and I'm preparing this wedding chamber for you. And something interesting about the wedding chamber, too, is that it had to be built to the father's specs. The father had to approve of this wedding chamber. And when this was ready and when this was constructed, now the groom can go and pick up the bride. But actually, if you would ask a groom, hey, that's sweet, you're married, 
I can see you're, you're building this wedding chamber. When's the day? When are you going to go pick up your bride? The groom would say, I don't actually know. Only my father knows because the father would give that final word. And it's interesting because Matthew 24, we see that too. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but only my father so Jesus is preparing this place and, and it's, it's when the father gives that, that word, hey, it's, it's ready that he will come and he'll pick up his bride. And so this is, this is what's happening in our relationship with Jesus right now, right? We're in covenant together, but we're, we are apart. We have the Holy Spirit, absolutely, but, but Paul did say when, when we're in the body, it's to be away from the Lord. To be out of the body is to be together with the Lord. So th- there is this time apart, even though we've made this covenant. But, but, but Jesus is preparing this, this place for us. And in Revelation 21, it talks about this amazing place. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, and the first heaven and first earth have passed away. There, there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he's going to dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He's going to wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning crying or pain for the older, the old order of things has passed away. And I find it really interesting and it's almost a mystery that, that the city is also called a bride, right? The city is, is called a bride here or at least compared to a bride. And so this causes some confusion with people, right? Like, okay, who's the bride here? We're the bride, city's a bride, which is, which is the bride? And I would say probably the answer to that is yes. We're both, we're both the bride. And, and in some way, I think uh, that, you know, the city is made for the people. The people are made for the city. And I love what Mike Bickle says. He says, the city and the people are dynamically connected forever by the Lord's wisdom. So again, what is that all going to look like? I don't know. But Jesus is preparing it to the Father's specifications. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Um, the next part and the important part of, of this time apart and this time of preparation for the wedding is, is the purification and the sanctification. Um, a, a ritual that the bride would, would go under would be a, a mikvah. She would be immersed in water. And this signified a, purifi- a purification and a washing of her sins. And it's, which is like a baptism, right? And so, yeah, next weekend... 2 o'clock and 4.30, we have about 20 people that are going to be baptized. How, how sweet is that? It's awesome. I invite you to come out. But this baptism is the symbol of dying to the old and raising to the new. It's, it's also the symbol of this, this cleansing and purification for the bride to be pure for the groom coming back. And in addition to, to this mikvah and this, this ritual of washing with water to, to symbolize a cleansing, the bride would also live a, this pure life and set herself apart for the groom. What she would do from now on, now that she was legally married, is she would, she would wear modest clothing in public. She would wear a, a veil as well. 
Because whenever she went out in town, she didn't want anyone saying, oh, that would be a good bride for me. She, want, she wanted everyone to know I'm taken. I'm not interested in anyone else. I'm married and my groom is going to pick me up. And so I'm saving myself for my groom. Right? And, and, and so I, I think in our lives too, this, this is where Jesus, when he, when he comes back, it talks about um, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy wa- by the washing with water through the word and present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. So again, on that wedding day, we are going to be dressed in Jesus's righteousness. Without any wrinkle, without any stain, you're going to be looking really good. We are going to be looking good in our dress because we're dressed in Jesus's righteousness. We're made pure. But in addition to this, we, we want to live this out, right? While we're waiting for our groom to come back, we want to live pure now, right? We want to follow him now. And this is where Paul, he's, he's urging the chur- a church in, in, in Corinth, he's urging them to be pure because their groom's coming back. He's urging them to be set apart and to be holy because they're to be married. And, and Corinth was this wild place. It was this place of immorality. There were temples everywhere. There was sexual immorality everywhere. There was all this debauchery. It was, it was just a, a wild city. And this is what Paul is urging Corinth in 2 Corinthians. He's saying, I'm jealous for you. I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. He, he, was, he had this heart saying, guys, set yourself apart. Guys, live, live holy, live pure. And, and it's not about, you know, holiness and purity. It's not just do's, don'ts, do's, don'ts, do's, don'ts. That's not the heart of it. The heart is that you're married. The heart is that you have a groom coming back and you're, you're committed to him. If you're a believer, you've made this, this covenant to him. He's gone preparing a place for you and, and now you're to set yourself Set, um, set yourself apart for him. You're to wear a veil and say, hey, I, I'm saving myself for my king and I'm going to be pure for him. I'm going to follow his ways. I'm going to be washed by the renewing of his word like it says in Ephesians 5. Because there was an awesome day that was coming up. This is, this is where the bride was so excited. There, it, was, it was for the snatching, they called it. The bride was excited for the snatching. Doesn't sound like an exciting thing to be snatched. <laughs> and actually, the groom would often do the snatching kind of in the middle of the night. But it was this exciting moment. So when the groom gets the go-ahead, hey, go pick up your lady. The wedding chamber is ready. What the groom would do is the groom would, would come in a, a procession or a big, great parade. And there would be horns and there would be shouts, the bridegroom's coming! And there would be torches and the groom is coming to pick up her bride. And the bride is ready and the bride grabs her lamp and the bride goes out and takes her lamp and goes out to meet her groom so that they can celebrate their marriage. And this is exactly what First Thessalonians talks about when it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. With a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive, 
are left to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. At this point, the the bride and the groom, there's no more time of separation. They are together forever. And this is what God is doing. This is what Jesus is going to do. He's going to pick us up. And it's just wild because when we talk about the rapture, especially when I was young, I would be so scared, right? If you see clothes lying on the ground, it's like, did I miss it or what, what happened here? Right? And it was this day that you were just terrified about, but it's the pickup for our wedding day. It's our groom coming back. This is exciting. And the bride would have been exciting, excited about this. And one of the things that she would have done is she would have been ready. She would have her lamp trimmed and her lamp filled with oil. And this is where Jesus told, tells the parable of the ten virgins, right? Five of them were ready. They had their hearts burning. They had their oil in their, in their lamps. And they were ready for this day to come. And five weren't. They didn't have oil in their lamps. And so they went out to buy oil. And they tried to come back to the great wedding feast. And the door was locked. And the bridegroom says, hey, I, I never knew you. I never knew you. There was no relationship there. And so this is where I, I pray that as the bride of Christ, we'd be ready for this day. We'd have oil in our lamps. We'd be people that are filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit. And our hearts would be burning. Our hearts would be excited. It says in 1 Thessalonians at the end there, therefore encourage each other with these words. And that's exactly what the early church did. They encouraged each other with the day of the Lord. Actually a saying in the early church was Maranatha. That was a saying that they would say to each other, hey Maranatha, Maranatha. Maranatha means come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus. And in this church, in the early church, they, they underwent such hardships and such trials and such persecution. So they would say Maranatha as an encouragement saying, hey, the wedding day's coming, guys. The wedding day's coming. Yeah, what we're going through now is, is hard. Yeah, we're going through persecution and trials. Maranatha, it was this cry of the heart. It was this cry of the, of the bride for, for the groom to, to, to pick her up. And, and it was this thing that fueled them. It was this thing that motivated them. It was this thing that, that kept them going through anything. Maranatha, it was the cry of their heart. And I pray it would be the cry of the, our heart as well. So once the... the once the snatching had happened, they would go back to the wedding chamber and consummate their marriage and, and it, would be a, it would be kind of coupled with this great feast that would happen. It would be like seven, or, seven days or even more than that. Right now, we, like nowadays we complain when a wedding's like 30 minutes, right? <laughs> Imagine a wedding, that's, that's seven days. But it was this party and it was this celebration of love. And so... In our lives and in our walk with God, this, this is where, at this point, we, we get our first look. We get to experience our first look with our groom, right? We've seen Jesus, we've had a taste of him, but it says in Corinthians, for now we only see a reflection as in a mirror, and then we shall see face to face. We're getting our first look with Jesus. Just close your eyes for a second. Just imagine your first look with Jesus. And every ounce of imagination 
comes infinitely short to how amazing that first look is going to be with Jesus. Then we shall see face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. In Revelation 2, it says they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. We belong to him. We are family. There'll be no more night. There will be, be no need to light a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord is going to light everything up and they will reign forever and ever. And this is where we reign forever and ever with our groom and, and, and we reign with him and we live happily ever after, right? And so, um, I don't know, as, as I was preparing these things this week, it, it, it was just touching my heart because I got to see just the beautiful love that God has for us, the beautiful commitment and covenant that we've made with him and, and just the fact, like, guys, look at us. We're, we've made mistakes and we've fallen so short, yet we're called the bride of Christ, you're called the bride of Christ. He's not ashamed to call you his bride. And, and I believe the, the groom and Jesus, as he's preparing now, he's, he's excited for this day. He's excited for the snatching. He's excited to come down from the clouds. And, and I pray, church, that we would be excited as well. Amen? I pray that, that we would set ourselves apart for our husband. I, I pray that we would live like we're taken. We would live holy. We would live set apart for him and we'd have oil in our lamps and we'd have just a cry in our heart, Maranatha. I think that's a good cry. There's some times where we're walking through pain and we're walking through just hard times and I think it's just a good cry to say, Maranatha, just come Jesus. Have you ever felt that? You're worshiping and you're in worship and you're just like, you're trying to jump. <laughs> just, just take me, God. <laughs> Come on. It's so much better with you. And, and this is the heart we ought to have for a coming wedding day. And I pray that your heart would be gripped for this, your wedding that's coming soon. I want to end this, this series reading the end of the Bible. I think it's a good place to do, we're talking about the end times. If you read the end of the Bible, it's all about this. It's all about the wedding day and the coming wedding day that's happening. And it says in Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say, come. The Holy Spirit inside of us and us as a church, there's this cry in our heart, come God. We wanna see you, we wanna experience the fullness. So come. We're waiting for that day. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who's thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. This is an invitation, right? Jesus paid the dowry for all of us to be with him, to be in covenant with him. And he's knocking at your door. He's saying, hey, let me in. Let's share a meal. That's covenant talk. Jesus is inviting you, God's inviting you into covenant. And he doesn't want to date you, he wants to marry you. He wants you to be for each other. And so no matter where you are in your walk with God, I want to let you know that God wants to make this covenant with you and he wants this marriage to happen. He wants you to be part of his bride, he loves you. It says in verse 20, he who testifies to these things 
says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. That's Jesus. <laughs> Maybe in, on our timeline, it doesn't feel like he's coming soon, but in Jesus' timeline, he's coming soon. And again, he's excited. He's excited to pick up his bride. There's excitement and love in his heart to come get his bride. And here John responds and says, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Maranatha, John's excited for this day. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people, amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.